across the land, people are gathering. Disturbed people. Demented people. Gathering to discuss films. Disturbed films. Demented films. These people know not what they do. They do not think before they speak. For they are bastards. Daily grindhouse bastards. Giving the opinions no one asked for. Yet demand to know. This is... The Daily Grindhouse presents... No Budget Nightmares. Episode 12, Kill Them and Eat Them. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo, and with me, as always, is the one and the only Doug Tilly. He's Doug Tilly, number one super guy. He's Doug Tilly, Luke the Nut Yeah, this week a slightly defeated Doug Tilly. I have to be honest. I think I might be burnt out on low-budget cinema. Oh, uh, no. no, no. You know what? I'm not. Not really. And in fact, maybe if I was going to get burnt out, I think I would have gotten burnt out after Redneck County Fever last go around. I know, right? You know, that movie is even worse in retrospect because the more, <laughs> I, think, the more I think about it, I always think about, hey, how did we even get through that? Uh, what is that? You know, what could possibly uh, – anyway. Anyone we, were, who, we, were so, we were so much nicer to that movie than we probably should have been. I think that maybe I was just in a good mood when I was watching it or something like that. Because yeah. When I was writing the review for it over at Daily Grindhouse, <laughs> I, I lost it. I mean, I was like, what the fuck am I going to write about? It's nothing happens. Like, yeah. I mean, we even summed up the plot, and we're loquacious motherfuckers, and we just keep going. But we still couldn't stretch that any further than, what, 45 minutes with us just well, blabbering well, we, for the rest well, of we, it? Yeah, with ju- us just flapping our gums, we, we spent 45 minutes talking about the plot, and then uh, we spent another 15 minutes talking about anything else. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was quick. I mean, like, you know, the, we plowed through the plot because there isn't any. Yeah, and which is funny. Uh, it's not funny, actually. It's not funny if you're watching it. But it's funny <laughs> now because the movie that we're talking about this week, Kill Them and Eat Them, Canada's own Kill Them and Eat Them, has uh, a ton of plot. It's nothing but plot. It, there's like, so much plot that it fucking it melts your brain into goo. It is, it is jammed to the gill with plot. I had a hard time keeping up with this movie. Like, it took me forever to finish it because I had to constantly pause it so that I could take notes. Yeah. No, I, I do that anyway, right? I always take really long notes because I really – because we are going to go through the plot in some level of detail. But yeah. it totally was fucking me this time because I was – I was like, what is this character again? And there, and like, there's like, <laughs> there's so many characters and none of them are important at all. None uh, of them. And, and then they all start to come together to some extent, but – this movie is – it's a really strange example of low-budget cinema because you could tell in this case that the people who made it really love 
horror movies, and they mm. really love low-budget movies, and you can tell that they really wanted to do something kind of special and interesting, uh, but without giving too much away in regards to what my final opinion is going to be on this, th- they didn't fully succeed, to say the least. Mm. Uh, but I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that I, this is not Redneck County Fever. <laughs> it is not. Uh, but let's just uh, give a little bit of background to the movie before we jump into it. This mm-hmm. movie uh, was directed by, uh, I'm going to say the pronunciation is Connell Pendergra- Pendergast, I, sorry? I would pronounce it Connell, yeah. Connell Pendergast, uh, uh, who is uh, Canadian, I believe, uh, and this movie was filmed in Toronto uh, and back in 2003, and it runs about 80 minutes, so it feels, in terms of, of structure, almost like a real movie, which is exciting for someone like me. Well, yeah, because we get that so infrequently. Uh, we, we really we really do. Of course, <laughs> when they're that long, uh, it makes a, a watching it sometimes a bit more of a chore. Uh, yeah. This one, and, but this movie, you know, it, it, because it's a little bit more modern, it certainly looks a lot better than uh, than Redneck County Fever did because of the, however many years it might be after the making. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know anything about the damn movie, you know, like like um, you know after after we ended the last episode, like I found somebody online and I emailed them to try to find uh, JP Black so I could like talk to him about the movie and. I, he never got back in touch with me, so I, I mean, so we're still just as clueless this week as we were last week about it. I like to think he's like floating in some sort of void uh, outside, <laughs> outside the concept be- of he's, reality. He's in between dimensions. <laughs> he, he might get back to us someday. Someday. Uh, but uh, Kill Them and Eat Them, I was very excited because this movie has an IMDb page and it has credits. Oh, I was so excited to have all these names, which is so great because not only are there a shitload of characters in this movie, but they all have really bizarre names so yeah. it's a case where it's really difficult to keep track of who is who and mm. uh but don't worry mo because i did it so uh so don't worry your pretty <laughs> little head about uh about the plot and uh, and who plays who <laughs> well good i mean i tried i tried to do well like i even went like like because there are a couple of characters that you don't find out their names until like halfway through the movie but they're in the whole movie from the get-go so like i went back to the beginning and and, and made little notes next to uh next to my earlier notes i'm like okay now this woman is named this now this man is named this yeah no i, I do that all the time but you're right in this movie in particular and it's possible that maybe they did introduce the character with a name earlier and uh i know that we had a, a, a brief discussion about this before, but uh, for some reason, on my copy of this, when I put the volume over a certain amount, the, the audio started glitching out like crazy. It became really, really difficult to hear what anyone was saying, and I'm like half deaf, so I need the volume <laughs> cranked at all times. Um, but uh, but anyway, I did get most of the names, and anyone I didn't get, I think I was able to guess. Uh, but yeah. yeah, anybody anybody who I didn't get while watching the movie, I was able to figure out in the closing credits. You know, I do want to, before we get into it, Mo, and and usually this is the kind of thing that we cover afterwards, but I want to talk to you about the acting in the movie. What did you think about the acting in Kill Them and Eat Them? Uh, (laughs) I thought that it was slightly better than what we normally see. That's not to say that it was any good. Yeah, it's a mixed bag, eh? Yeah. And yeah, there's a couple of act, there's a couple of standouts, but m- most everybody's pretty pretty mediocre. I mean, I think I think what you said it covers it pretty well, which is that it's slightly better than we normally get and yes, there are a couple of standouts and we'll bring those up as we uh, as we hit them as we go through the plot, but uh it also it, 
they're very Canadian. Did you notice that? Maybe that's yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Some of their voices are really Canadian to the point to the point when I was watching it, I was like, so that's what we sound like to other people. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I I like to uh, to imagine as I'm watching, you know, the, one of the many movies from New England, um, that that oh, this is what we sound like to the rest of the world. It's true. Now that doesn't it doesn't have the same impact because we don't really sound because we don't have accents here. We you know we speak proper English. That's right. Everyone else has their everybody weird, else is yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the plot of Kill Them and Eat Them. Please. <laughs> well, well, sorry, Mo. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Doug! I will say that the thing this. I like the like the most about this movie is actually the opening sequence, uh, and it, it, it starts with someone waking up uh, under an electrical tower, one of those big electrical towers, <laughs> and um, he sees someone nearby. And he goes to see who it is, and actually he asks to see if the person has any change, uh, which if you've ever been to Toronto is a very common thing that occurs there. But the person uh, we see is mutated. Yeah, I love love how he sticks his his giant mutant hand out and just drops some change on the ground, you know, and like – like, the giant mutant hand doesn't tip the guy off at all. He just, like, gathers up the change. He's like, okay, I'm going to go now. Right. And so the the guy, noticing that uh, the person who he was encountering was some sort of mutant, runs off to a nearby factory. Uh, we, we learn more about that afterwards. And then a big mutant hand comes out and rips off his face. Well, I mean, we're skipping ahead, though. I mean, like, like he, there's a great scene where he, where he somehow manages just to sever its hand with a rock, yeah, throwing a rock at it. Yeah, he throws a rock at the guy's hand, and at first I didn't know what the hell was going on, but yeah, he severs his hand with it, uh, and then and then takes off. You're right, and yeah. I, th- I mean, right off the bat, we and this is something that that becomes a little bit uh, confusing as the movie goes on. He looks out to the horizon and he sees the city of Toronto, very uh, visible because of the CN Tower that's out there. Mm. Uh, so this movie doesn't necessarily take place in like a post-apocalyptic uh, land, but it is it is sort of science fictiony. Well, they make the, they make they make sort of generalizations that there's not much out there anymore, but they don't actually go so far as to say it's post-apocalyptic. It's sort of like. In, in a land where where one company rules everything, yeah, called the company in this case, yeah. Right? So it's like it's like Microsoft, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or or Google, I or mean. Google, or, or Apple. Uh, but but it's it is kind of funny uh, because they bring in some of these philosophical elements into it later on, uh, mm. kind of not necessarily a little bit clunky to be honest with you. Um, but but it's it is kind of. Um, it's not well defined the kind of of landscape that we're talking about here though no not at all though though i mean to their credit they did find some nice locations um, obviously out of the way of where people might be um, <laughs> though there you know there are some scenes where you see a bunch of cars driving around in the background too so i don't know it's it's a little yeah. difficult to tell where we are um th- though it's obviously just outside toronto <laughs> so so he runs away from this uh, creature after he uh, knocks off its hand with a rock, runs to this uh, nearby factory, and gets his face ripped off, and that that goes right into the opening credits. Yeah. Now I always now I got I got a kind of a kick out of these out of these monsters, you know, because like we, at first we're just assuming they're monsters, and then eventually we find out that they're mutants. 
But in the credits, they're called Skeletoids. Skeletoids, which is great. It sounds very He-Man. I was very It does happy sound very it. He-Man. But it's like, but like where, I mean, like it's never once called a Skeletoid in the movie. If it is, it must be mentioned offhand maybe once. I mean, it, it really or, does not come up. Or more, more than likely, it's in a scene that got left on the cutting room floor. No, I you know I imagine that the director. This seems just like the the kind of a person who would have one of those giant books with like an entire history written out. That, that some, <laughs> like 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 all of the important details do not necessarily make it into the actual script, but true, in his true. brain, it's you know everything fits together. Yeah, but yeah, but so, so yeah, so we met. So we mentioned the opening credits. Now I kind of dug the opening credits. There was a lot of really cool, like obviously hand drawn animation. Uh, I'm assuming hand-drawn animation in this, that uh, or at least hand-drawn and then digitized or whatever. But but I liked it. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed all the little animated bits in this movie. Yeah, they were like little animated uh, like these like strands of DNA or, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. things like that. And, and you're right, they use that as scene transitions sometimes. And yeah, use it. yeah. No, and, and, and there's like it's got a pretty awesome uh, like a hard rock uh, opening theme. <laughs> it's hard rock. I mean, what does that even mean anymore? But it's got like almost like a garage rock style. Uh, yeah. Opening yeah. theme, uh, and and you know, it, it at that point I was very excited. In fact, if you might recall, Mo, that while I was watching it, I was like, Mo, the first five minutes are pretty good. <laughs> and you're right, the first five minutes were pretty great. Yeah, and then things take a bit of an odd turn. Um, the, <laughs> immediately after the credits, where we're introduced to two characters who I would have thought would be incredibly important to the rest of the plot. Oh, are we talking about Kellen and Milo? Kellen and Milo. Now, Kellen, you know, I'm talking about these weird fucking names. Kellen is a is a female, uh, and Milo is a male. I wanted I wanted to ask you now, Kellen. Her real name is kind of fucking weird too, and and I wanted to ask you what you how you would assume that that would be pronounced. Oh well, like, well, Mo, I, I have it right here in front of me, and uh, and of course I have a. a Pitch perfect French accent. So, of course. Uh, so, uh, so her name is Francois Snobel. <laughs> yeah, I, I was assuming because like it doesn't have. I mean, it doesn't have the. I mean, I guess it's just it's kind of like a weird spelling on Francois. You know, like it's not the traditional spelling. Maybe not where you're from, Mo, but around <laughs> here, that's how you spell Francois. Oh well, excuse me. <laughs> well, you should be excused. <laughs> now, uh, now uh, we're not going to make a comment as we never do about the attractiveness of the female but I, uh, but I will go so so we're introduced to Milo and Kellen and they are looking for their friend um his name is uh, Burn or Burn, Burn that's or... right. They're looking for Burn, who at that point I didn't realize was supposed to be the character from the very beginning who got his face ripped off. Yeah, they never they never say his name. Well, no, know. they don't at the beginning, right, because he's just yeah. by himself. Yeah, I mean he's like he's like I burn look for change. You know, I mean it's not there's no he doesn't talk in the third person unfortunately. And and it takes me it, it kind of took me kind of a while to realize that that was the person they were talking about. Actually, I'm so stupid that it took me until later in the movie 
Wait, you you probably know what I'm talking about. Like when 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 I finally realized who the hell they were talking about. But we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> Indeed, there, there are weird moments of of disconnect in terms of uh, understanding exactly what's going on and what yeah. characters are doing what. And this is a really good example of that because <laughs> not to give anything away, but we're going to give everything away, so it doesn't matter. But it looks like right from here that Kellen is going to be the main character of the movie. She's kind of a tough chick and she uh is confident and it looks like she's going to be like kind of the main focus but yeah. she spends like 80 percent of the rest of the movie unconscious passed out <laughs> Just, she, she comes back she comes back and she has like intermittent like uh moments of of lucidity and then is gone again because basically once she gets to uh to that foundry you know she gets attacked and she spends the rest of the movie just locked in a room unconscious <laughs> i mean and she's supposed to be the, uh, anyway she's supposed yeah. to be some sort of love interest but we'll get into uh, that as well uh so milo uh has a great line here where he says that in uh, these days <laughs> you'd have to be crazy not to be insane. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a legitimately a good line. These days you'd have to be crazy not to be insane. I thought that was a brilliant line. Like, <laughs> I, like I mean, I, I don't usually keep too good a track of uh, of like good of like lines in films, but that that one I had to write down because I'm like I'll, I'll forget it and it's way too funny to you know. So, I don't know. so Milo decides. Well, actually, Milo is very hesitant to go out east, where apparently that's where. Um, they think that that burn might be where he might have wandered off to. But yeah. Kellen, being tough, decides that uh, that's exactly where they're going to head to. There's some sort of brickworks building that's there, uh, like an old abandoned factory. And uh, and that's what they're going to head towards. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, <laughs> and I have to say meanwhile because we start at this point cutting to different characters uh, as they're being introduced. Um, and the next people that we get introduced to are um, these the doctors. Yeah, the two doctors. Now, there's... <laughs> Whose names aren't mentioned. At this point, they're not mentioned at all. Yeah. I, I think that uh, the uh, younger doctor uh, mentions that the other guy's name is Dr. Williams uh, at, at some point during this opening scene. But it's very difficult to understand exactly what's going on. As I mentioned, the sound was kind of fucked for me while... Yeah, uh, and even and even more so than that is that they may he may have called him Dr. Williams, but... You know, that's not that's, what he's called. <laughs> that's not what he's called in the movie. You know, so but but I mean, we we can openly tell you that the younger the younger one is named Doctor Greg Tobias, and the other do, the older doctor is referred to in most of the movie as Doctor Gore. Right, and they do explain why he's called Doctor Gore. It's not like in in Rock Paper Scissors where there's a character named Commander Steel for no good reason. This guy, his name is Doctor Gore because of his experiments. It's more of a nickname than his actual name. Yeah, and we get from this scene that that he, I mean, I'm I'm a little vague on the plot. I mean, I was paying attention, but it was a little little difficult. He's he's developed these uh, like nanites, which he calls biomites, which yeah. which he can inject into. We learn later that that uh, in this. Uh, reality in this future, if that's what it is, the uh, there are workers for the company, which is like this sort of giant Big Brother organization, who have been uh, changed genetically through a process referred to as the genetic mask. Exactly, and yeah. uh, the biomites by uh, by Doctor Gore's invention of these biomites, uh, you get injected with them, and is it that? It, the way it's supposed to work is that you get injected with his biomites and it will attack anything that was that was uh, corrected or perfected in the genetic mask 
um, right. So procedure. this is turn people back into normal people. Well, I got it that they would essentially turn to slime. Oh, okay. So it's supposed yeah. to kill anyone who's been genetically upgraded. So exactly to because because his because we learn. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we, like, we can't just go through the straight plot of this movie. Like, we have to, like, explain to you everything as we're, you know, as we're saying it. Or if you're watching this, if you watch this movie, sense. yeah, you're going to be spending a lot of it a little bit confused about what, what the, the, the main yeah. kind of arc of the plot is. Because, but, but we find out, we find out that, that a lot of the higher ups at the company have gone through this genetic mask procedure, you know, and that, and that basically, you know, it's, this is, Dr. Gore's way of getting back at the company. Yeah, it's like a revenge thing, though. Uh, he, 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 as a character, is presented as more sympathetic than you might expect. Yeah, uh, with a name like Dr. Gore. Considering that, what we learn right away is that his uh, his assistant or friend, uh, Dr. Tobias, he has been kidnapping people or getting these mutants to kidnap people and then doing experiments on them, which turn them into more mutants. Yep. Uh, we also he, we also learned story Mo, that right away that that uh, Doctor Tobias wants this vial of uh, the biomites. Yeah, I guess it's the biomites that he's trying to get at. That, it's like his master vial. Yeah, exactly, and that's really important. That's sort of the MacGuffin for the rest of this movie because he really wants it, uh, as <laughs> to a sort of ridiculous extent. Though it never is made so clear about what it is or what it does to make us as the audience give a shit about why he wants it. Well, I mean, that, you just described the entire movie right there. I mean, nothing is really described to the point that anybody should really give too much of a shit about it. I mean, and that goes to the company, too. I sure. mean, we know because we watch a lot of movies about sort of not just post-apocalyptic futures, but, you know, futures with, with large government organizations which control everything, like your Brazil and your 1984-type situation. Uh, but here, the company is supposed to be something like that because uh, we go right to the next scene, which introduces us to this sort of... Uh, police agency that the government runs. Um, I, I think it's a, about corporate scientific competition. It's supposed to cut out competition. Um, yeah. And and they keep talking about the company, and we know just from, from experience that, okay, so this company must be really evil. But we're never given any real examples of how they're evil. We see propaganda and things around, but it's not like they do anything that's particularly evil. Yeah. Yeah, because we're only introduced to two characters who work for, you know, who work for this competition board, you know, and uh, and and, they're, and we find out that they're the only two guys on it, and their office is in a fucking bathroom. How, how does it, what does he describe it as? Subterranean business priority area. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it, you know. it, it's important now that we mention that this movie ostensibly is a comedy. Uh, there's a lot of comedic moments to it. However. The movie has a lot of good laughs. Yeah, it does. Though sometimes it's weird because it seems to forget that it's a comedy every once in a while. <laughs> and, and even near the end especially, it seems like they've overdubbed comedic lines in yeah, order yeah. to make it a little bit lighter because they, they at some point decided that the tone was a little darker than they wanted it to be. <laughs> so these two characters, these two uh, officers, so to speak, are Vellner, who's like uh, – this Who is awesome. He's great, and he is obsessed with the company, and he says things like, uh, great is the company's wisdom and all that. Perhaps it is my place to reinstate the correct priorital values into your goal effect paradigm. Great is the company's wisdom. 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, basically, like as you as you learn more about this genetic mask pr- procedure, it becomes pretty clear that Vellner has probably had it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because part of the the runoff of this procedure is that you, you become incredibly loyal to the company. Yeah. Uh, and his partner or uh, coworker is now. Do they do they name him at all in the movie? I don't think they ever actually say his name in the movie, but I think, according to the credits, that this is Aaron. Yeah, I think it's Aaron, which is <laughs> it's, like that's that drives me insane. And I mean, maybe it's a little OCD about me, but it's like no, this guy no, becomes no, no, no. sort of a major character later. And I'm writing my notes, and I'm like, and then uh, Velmer's partner. <laughs> yeah, I, I described him as the other guy through the entire movie. Yeah. Like, every time I took a note about him, I said, oh, and then the other guy does this. The other guy does that. And then it's only, it, was only, it was only after the fact in the credits. I'm like, oh, his name was Aaron. Why do you think they moved your office in the basement bathroom? <laughs> it's the same thing with the Skeletoids. How am I supposed to know they're called Skeletoids? And how do we know this guy's name is Aaron? I mean, folks, we don't mean to obsess over the details of things like this, but when your brain is looking for something to grab onto, that's yeah, the sort of we, thing that we kind of fall back on. We need to have a sympathetic character that we can relate to. And that, and that is, by the way, this film's main problem, is yeah. that we never get to know someone enough to even to even be able to follow their plot throughout. Yeah, and it's, cl- and, and it's clearly, I mean, like, at first it's set up that we're thinking, okay, well, maybe it's supposed to be, like, Kellen and Milo, and then they kind of disappear. And then it's, oh, well, maybe it's supposed to be Tobias and Gore. And like, no, because they're just, like, crazy doctors and then like oh well maybe it's Valner but no he's obviously you know a company man it's like okay well maybe it's this other guy but it's like how can you have an emotional connection with an, with this guy who has no name yeah absolutely and i mean we're given an impression that he's sort of a little bit more rebellious towards the company <laughs> but, but he's, yeah he's he's clear you know clearly he was put into this into this uh competitional monitoring squad at a, as like a as like a um a punishment you right. know, for being rebellious right uh not that it, that's developed in, in in much detail as well you know you know who these guys have you know i i it, i didn't notice this as uh as i was watching the movie but i ju- it just kind of dawned on me these those two guys have a very um like uh, Red Dwarf, you know, like uh, Rimmer and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but but like that, like that same kind of like relationship where one of them is very like by the book and, and anal retentive and the other guy is just like, fuck you. That's actually a really interesting observation. And I'm uh, actually stalling right now. So because I'm going to go insane <laughs> if I don't discover that, of course, it's Rimmer and Lister who are the Thank two. You, right? Lister, Rimmer yeah. and Lister, right. What am I doing? Yes, what are you doing? Just snipping down the cinema, catch the midnight movie. <laughs> what, dressed like that? Yeah. Go to see Jaws. <laughs> you're going fishing, aren't you? That ocean planet we passed two days ago, you're going fishing without me. Oh, come on, Femme, don't be ridiculous. Hey, what are you doing with the lights on? Come on, let's get out of here before... <laughs> I don't believe it. All three of you. What's he talking about? I don't know. For some reason, you've got this crazy, whacked-out idea that we're all going on a fishing holiday. A fishing holiday? Dear Rimmer, we have gone on a fishing holiday. <laughs> to the ocean planet we passed two days ago. We tried to wake you, but couldn't. See you in three weeks. L, K, and C. Uh, I was like, yes, I know, <laughs> but I can't remember. <laughs> but you're right. That's, it, it is that kind of sort of relationship, again. That, yeah. Uh, except not 
as amusing. Uh, the, no, no, not at all. What they're doing here is that they learn of the hand that got knocked off at the beginning of the movie uh, and that someone found it, and they recognize that it, it looks like the work of this Dr. Gore. Get the hand. Bring it here. This could be interesting. And uh, they think at the time that this Dr. Gore has been killed, so they decided to go investigate. Mm. Now, now we have to mention that. Um, I mean, we've already mentioned that their that their office is in a bathroom, essentially. Right. But uh, but I love how when you know, like when they when they have the leading up shot to the quote unquote office, it's we're basically following Valner, um, who basically looks like a low rent, you know mall cop you know but and he he or a low rent fbi agent sure and he and he gets to the door um and it said and it's like this crudely taped on like paper sign this is office of competitional monitors and competitional is spelled wrong <laughs> you know so of course he has to fix it <laughs> You know, and then he go he goes in, and it's a fucking bathroom, and Aaron's already in there, and he offers him a chicken and a biscuit. <laughs> it, it is funny because the the well, no, I mean, it's legitimately funny. It's meant to no, be funny. No, legitimately funny. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's weird because that sort of humor, this kind of broad humor at the beginning, it really does kind of fade away a little bit as we go it on. It does, yeah. So uh, we get we actually cut back to Milo and Kellen at this time when they reach the factory, the the one that we saw at the very beginning of the movie, the Brickworks, uh, and Milo. Get it right it's a foundry it's a foundry i'm sorry <laughs> i should know that I, I played a lot of fallout 3 so i should know what it's all about um but th- so milo is a uh, kind of cowardly he's very hesitant to check this place out kellen uh kellen decides that she's going to go off on her own and she goes off on her own and he immediately gets attacked <laughs> yeah i love how i love how they stop and chit chat and nobody notices that there's something like kind of like leaning against the wall right there where they're at. And I, she goes and walks off, and he looks over. There it is, you know, and immediately gets attacked. I, you know, I actually find that kind of a little bit neat. I mean, a little bit disconcertingly creepy in the sense that there would be a creature that just, you know, just wasn't moving enough for you to notice it. And as soon as you were alone, you looked over, and there it was the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. Uh, but so he, the creature comes over, and uh, it looks like it tears up his arm a little bit. And uh, and by yeah. the way, we should mention at this point that these mutant creatures, uh, when they hit, when they break your skin, there's some sort of mutant gene transference which turns you into a mutant as well yeah 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 so he gets so he gets his arm sliced up and um we should probably describe what these things look yeah this would be a good time to do that they yeah they they wear these sacks over their heads which i thought was the coolest part about the movie yeah like like those like like one of them has sort of like a burlap looking sack that's over his head and it looks and it's got like these mesh eye holes and it's pretty cool looking um and then there's another one or, or a couple of other ones that wear sort of the same type of mask where it's like a uh um uh, it's like a leather mask that looks like it's been stitched together and has like a really long kind of like nose hole. Yeah, it looks like uh, what's his name from uh, the Summer of the Massacre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Hammerhead. Yeah, no. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, and it, but it, but it's been like tied off at the end, and I don't like that one so much. I like the I like the burlap sack one more. But um, but underneath these masks, uh, but underneath there's uh, hard rubber faces of uh, gigantic eyes. They kind of look like they look like like if you mixed like a middle-aged businessman 
with like an alien, you know, like they've got kind of like receding hairlines, but they've got giant eyes and like these weird sort of fangs. Yeah, but they're not like you said; they're kind of hard, so there's no real expression to them. Yeah, yeah very, there's no very much yeah, like a Halloween no, mask type. Look correct. Thing. Yeah, there's no movement in the mouths. I mean, oh, there is later in some other masks, but most of the most of the the skeletoids <laughs> um, don't have any movement in their mouth. I hate that name. <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't use it in the actual movie. <laughs> But it's uh, it's also important to mention that they have these mutated hands, as we mentioned before. They wear these sacks, or we see we see their faces as well. But their bodies are just regular, right? They're, they, they're wearing suits, or they're wearing yeah. just regular clothes. So mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of like a lot of low budget, like super low budget zombie movies, where you yeah. know people have the makeup on their hands and on their face, and the rest of it is whatever they decided to wear when they showed up. Exactly. So uh, you know, or or like a certain Commander Steel in a. Uh, you know, in a Black Sabbath T-shirt, he has an eye patch. Uh, oh, okay, and he has an eye patch. So there's that. <laughs> uh, so uh, the uh, the uh, impression that we get is that Kellen is also abducted as well by these creatures, and she wakes up in a strange room. Um, and the first person I believe she runs into is uh, doesn't run into. She's she is uh, restrained, I believe, uh, is Doctor Tobias, who, mm-hmm. is, who by the way is an asshole. I don't think we got that across. He's not only an asshole; he is the most Canadian sounding of the people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he actually says a a couple of times in in the film too. He, he he actually he's probably my favorite character, if only because at least it's very clear what his motivations are. He just wants to be evil and get back on the people who who have wronged him. Uh, yeah, and, and it makes it, it makes sense. He's an he's an he's an evil character who has you know like passion for what he wants to do. It, it makes sense. You can relate to him. Don't worry, street trash. We'll get to you real soon. Yeah, and we know exactly where his character is going. Thankfully, yeah, which is yeah, that yeah. he has ambition to uh, to uh, you know take these experiments to bigger places he's tired of of not killing people he he you know he, he uses the line about uh, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. but he also he like calls her like street trash and, yeah. <laughs> and basically just threatens everybody so yeah and also um and this would be a good opportunity to say that both Dr. Tobias and Dr. Gore, our, our two villains, sort of, uh, they're probably the two strongest actors in the movie. Would you agree with that? I would. I, I like, I mean, you know, uh, Tobias is a little tough on the ears. Yeah, he's got so such a high-pitched, snivelly voice. He, he, he really does, especially at the end of the movie when it's all done in ADR. Yeah. And he's like... You know, and it's it's all overdubbed, and it's really in your ear. Don't let them do this to me, my children! Destroy them! Tear them apart! Uh, Doctor Gore, on the other hand, is 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 a really good actor, and he's got a great voice, and it, and it works. I'm Doctor Wallace Williams, but they call me Doctor Gore. He's so good. He it he some, sometimes felt a little bit bad for him to, for being in the movie. <laughs> I'm like, he's well, the gravitas to great, what he's doing. There's that great line where Dr. Gore introduces himself to, to Kellen, and he goes, and he says to her, he goes, well, they call me Dr. Gore. And then he kind of, like, stumbles for a second. He goes, yes, I probably shouldn't have told you that, but I am a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a part coming up, and, I, and I'm just going to skip right to it, where Tobias, uh, he, he threatens Kellen, and then he goes to Milo, and he talks about how he's going to do a bunch of tests on him, uh, uh-huh. even though Dr., uh, the Dr. Gore doesn't want him to. Uh, and, and then that's where they introduce the idea of this formula. And he says, I've got better things to do than fix you. And then he immediately just reaches up and grabs a sub sandwich and eats it. Fix you up, huh? Let me tell you, street trash. I've got much better things to do than fix you up and let you run wild and free. Much better things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what he means when he says that he had something better to do? Is that, is that the I joke? I assume so. Yeah, because that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got this uh, he's got this submarine sandwich and he wants to eat it. You know. <laughs> oh man. And then we're uh, and, and of course the, this is this is the moment where we find out that the other person was burned. Yes, that's exactly right. Because Kellen asks about him and oh well he's dead. You know, so, I mean, at least, so we find out, you know, so good. We've got a little bit of closure there. That's one less open question that we don't have to worry about. There's still plenty of other ones to worry about, but that, that one, at least we know now. Right. And, and I mean, this movie has a lot of padding in it, like really obvious padding. Um, I think this movie would have been a really, you know, entertaining and tightly paced hour, but it's, I agree. I agree entirely. They could, they could have easily cut this down to 60 minutes and it probably would have been great. Yeah. Oh, or at least, you know, really good. (laughs) I I just mean, let's not go nuts. All right. Good point. Uh, It it would have been, um, more entertaining. We'll just leave it at that. Then we get this weird French music plays. And then, uh, and then we're back into with uh, Velner and, and Aaron. Right, and, and uh, Aaron has come back with information about who found the hand. Uh, yeah, and Velner is stroking a poster on the wall, and he gets caught. Yeah, he is in love with the company, so... He really is. Like, he's completely in love with the company. And, and they give us a lot of exposition about who Dr. Gore was, that uh, yeah. they thought he was crazy, and he worked for the company, and he tried to leave, and they uh, killed him, or they thought he was dead at the very least. Yeah, and this is actually uh, this this scene actually has one of my favorite um, uh, sight gags, where <laughs> where they have the bag that they, that the hand is in, and he, and he reaches in with some salad tongs, which is funny in and of itself, uh, and and he pulls out this like small package, and he's like, "What's this?" And of course, Aaron's like, "Oh, that's my lunch." Hey, wait, lunch. Yeah. So of course, he, so he starts so he starts chowing down on this bloody. Uh, hamburger and he reaches in and pulls pulls his really ridiculous just like you know glove you know like the prosthetic glove out of uh, out of the bag with the salad tongs and starts talking about it some cleanup guy found it in a fenced off area near the park look at the structure amazing this was definitely the product of genetic mutation so intricate so detailed and clearly the work of Dr. Gore so what the what we get out of this scene is that they are going to to talk to the person who found that hand they're going to go actually uh, they're going to go on the road and uh, and do that uh, by the way mo from this scene um, do you guys in the states <laughs> I know, since you represent everyone in your country, uh, you, I, I should represent everyone in my country. Do you, ha- no, do you have Harvey's restaurants down there? Yeah, you do. 
Well, uh, Harvey with a V or Hard D? Not Hard D. Uh, oh. And, and not Arby. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's a Harvey's restaurant uh, that where you build your own burger. Anyway, it's a Canadian thing. Oh, no, no. Oh, then no. I don't. I, I don't. There's, there's an extra, the reason I bring it up is that there's a slightly extra level of humor because the drink that he's sipping from in the scene has a Harvey's logo on it, suggesting that they still exist, I guess, in some capacity, <laughs> and that's the kind of food that they serve. It's like Taco Bell in, in Judge Dredd. Exactly. Or, or in Demolition Man. Demolition Man. And it's, so, what's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Uh, is it Taco Bell or Pizza Hut? I can't remember because I, I know I, I know that in one in one country they change them all around. Um, uh, whatever. What's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did. And my reward is dinner and dancing at Pizza Hut. I mean, hey, I like a big fat piece of pizza, but come on. Sounds like I'm making that up, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but but yeah. So so this is so this is a scene where we find out just how much of a of a company man Vellner is because uh, Aaron makes the the suggestion that maybe the company might have done something wrong, right? And i.e. the uh, the killing of Doctor Gore and and Vellner gets pissed. And clearly the work of Doctor Gore. But I thought. Didn't the company... It was a few years before you came to work here. He was a brilliant geneticist, far superior to anyone else in the company, or the world. But he became disinterested in his projects, and he wasn't an effective team player. He even attempted, and thankfully failed, to eliminate records of his own research. What? I didn't know that. Why? He was mad. He tried to leave the company. So the company did its usual thing. But somehow, I don't know. If Gore's alive, then uh, the company must have made a mistake. We'll reserve judgment on that for now. You know, but, and, then, uh, and then they have the great line. Uh, it ends on the great line. It goes, well, just in case, I'll bring the guns. We have guns? Right, right. See, I mean, at this point, things are looking up in terms of this movie, right? All these characters are going to come together, and there's going to be all this great interplay. Uh, But – and this is kind of uh, suggested even more by the next scene, which is is Dr. Gore talking once again uh, to – what's her name? Kellen. Kellen, and giving her a shot, which is supposed to reduce her mutation, uh, and it just makes her pass out immediately. There's a few of these scenes where he comes in and talks to her, but they're all just completely superfluous. I mean, they 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 don't serve any main real purpose, except that we're supposed to. Though I didn't realize this till the end. Uh, discover that Doctor Gore uh, is developing feelings for her, uh, even though there's really no evidence of that, or at least certainly no evidence of reciprocation during these scenes. Yeah, I I didn't get that from these scenes at all. Yeah, they're, uh, I, I I just assumed that this was Doctor Gore trying to prove that he's a good guy and saving her life. What is that stuff? It will help you. It's a fluid made up of microscopic creatures that enter the body and and help it to modify itself. Modify? Like those monsters outside? No, no, please. This is a different formula. Safe. When you were cut, fluid from the mutant entered your body... 
idiot are tiny organisms like these, but of a different type. They're what's changing you now, infecting you. Yeah, I mean, also he's old as fuck, so I mean, come on. Yeah. And she might be a ooga, but that doesn't mean that. Uh, <laughs> Look, he's not looking at her face. <laughs> so, you know that 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 top is pretty sheer. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm exaggerating. She's a, a very attractive woman, and I no, I, she's not. Hey. Hey, clean ship around here. So they go to visit this guy who found the hand, uh, and they drive in this uh, neat, old-looking car um, for some reason. It's the best car the company could get us. It's a good car. Yeah, some company-issue shitty car. Sturdy construction. Yeah, and and, and they they mention that they're from the company, and everyone, I guess, has heard of the company in this case. So, uh, So the guy is suitably not necessarily impressed, but decides that he'll do whatever they say. Yeah. I mean, there's all this cutting back and forth. When it comes right down to it, there isn't a ton of plot. At the beginning, we said there's a ton. It's not that as much. It's just that there's a lot of dialogue. Well, that's true. And there's also, like, there's also, like, four storylines going on at the same time. So, so yeah, so maybe there's not necessarily a lot of plot as such, but there is a lot of story. Yeah, that's that. that, that I think that's a, a more fair way of putting it. Yeah. Um, this this is actually the scene where I realize that anytime Vellner talks, I chuckle. Yeah. There are many projects which the company, in its great wisdom, sees fit to undertake, of which ours is but one. He has a he has, like like the way he says shit is really funny. And we won't be needing this for very long. He's good. He's he's, he's good. He's funny. Yeah, he's good and he's funny. He gets most of the better lines because he's played in an over the top way, uh, just like how Tobias is. So it, it's a little bit. Uh, easier to understand what his character is supposed to be and where he's coming from. Yeah. Uh, spe- and speaking of Tobias... Tobias, we go right back to the lab once again because we're just swapping back and forth at this time. Yep. And we get a lot more of an idea about his character at this point. Because now he's reading weird science comics. <laughs> he's reading weird science comics. And uh, I think at this point, is it uh, Milo that still is in the room? Yeah, Milo is currently mutating into a quote-unquote sexless, mindless, cannibal killing machine. Yeah, he's... And he talks about how he's trying to create his own personal cannibal hit squad. What's happening to me? You're turning into a whole new you. And if I can get the formula just right, soon you'll be joining my buddies outside. My own personal cannibal hit squad. They're violent, sexless, and soon, when I perfect them, unstoppable. (laughs) And uh, one of the great lines from the scene is that uh, they're particularly effective because they conveniently eat the evidence of any of their wrongdoing. Uh, uh, <sighs> I don't remember what the line leading up to it was, but there's also like there's a really great line. It's actually the last line of the scene where he goes, uh, "Oh, it's turned my brain, my mind. It's changing my mind. Why do this to me? So I can be in control and get what I deserve. How do you know what that is? It's more than I have, of course. Schmuck." <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it again at this point, uh, the humor is still pretty out there and pretty pretty fun. Uh, yeah. Also, Tobias tries to get a skin sample from Kellen, uh, mm. who is obviously uh, hesitant to do so. Um, these are the scenes where we really understand that Doctor Gore and uh, Doctor Tobias are really at odds because uh, Doctor Gore is, is against the idea of of really hurting anybody else, while Dr. Tobias seems to want to hurt people just to hurt them. 
He wants to hurt everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, well, he said earlier in the in the film that that his only real interest was to create an army of these quote unquote mindless, sexless cannibal killing machines. I mean, and why not? Um, yeah. But this this probably leads to my favorite part of the movie, or at least one of them, where uh, Doctor Gore, who who seems to be the the superior in this, probably because he has those nanites wherever they may be. He he basically commands Doctor Tobias to take the uh, take the mutants out for some free range time. It's time for the mutants to go up for their free range time. Oh, and I suppose you want me to do it. Okay, boys, playtime. And there's some pretty there's, there's a lot of really funny bits of dialogue. We experimented on all of you schmoes, and what did we get? Mutation, mutation, mutation. And he acts like that's a bad thing. In in that in that scene where he ta- where he's like he just seems to be like chit chatting with one of the uh, with one of the he's just sitting sk- down out there and chilling out, having a little yeah. conversation with his mutant. Yeah, it's like it's almost like they're on like a smoke break from work or something, you know. But uh, but but uh, Tobias has this great line. He goes, "I mean, all I want to do is wreak bloody vengeance on my enemies. Is that so wrong?" <laughs> right. And and the mutant who at the beginning got his hand chopped off, they've replaced it with another one. <laughs> <laughs> he's like teach. He's he's like, oh, we got We you know we got to do. Uh, you got to work out that that exercise that hand, you know. And, and he goes to throw like a stone or something yeah. like that, and like this whole hand goes flying. I love how that scene ends because Tobias just grabs it some duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, uh, you, you guys are going to be the death of me. Yes, indeed. Uh, I would say, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mo, that the movie from this point on is not as interesting. Agree. It's it, just because they they suddenly realize that they have to kind of uh, come to some sort of uh, peak in terms of plot, and everyone starts moving towards it, but it becomes a lot more directionless, and it's yeah. and, the, and the dialogue becomes a lot less interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I would have I would have used the, the the term muddled, but it's the same exact thing as what you just said. So yeah, it, it's it's everything kind of falls into you know into like it's very compartmentalized place and everything kind of like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not as like wide open to do things. Like it's very one direction at this point. So I'm just going to hammer a couple of plot points here and you can add anything if you'd like. Uh, so Velner and, and Aaron are in the woods. That's where they've been led to in regards to where the hand was originally found. Uh, yeah. And that they see, they see one of the mutants and give chase. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the music here is really bizarre. <laughs> I remember. Well, I, I, here, here's how I described it. I described it as, um, as it sounds like Ferris Bueller playing his oboe. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's really very random. Um, and, and awful. Yeah, right. And also, uh, right after this, Dr. Gore is noticing that the samples that they have is, are getting worse uh, and that someone has been giving the samples whatever modified T3 is. That's what he says. Something to do with the biomites. A lot of this stuff is not very interesting or important. Uh, but what is important is, and we didn't mention this before, is that Dr. Tobias has sent one of the mutants to the grocery store to buy groceries. <laughs> Now, 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 we get a we get a couple of shots of the grocery list. Actually, there's kind of an ongoing joke through the rest of the movie of grocery lists. Yes, but um, but I love, but I don't know if you happen to notice, but the first grocery list is different from the second. Oh, I did notice. List. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very different. Well, well the one yeah. thing that they all have in common is that they have tortilla chips. Tortilla <laughs> chips, yeah. 
So like, the first one, it says, like, ultra shakes, salt, and then it, like, actually, like, writes it out, like, sodium, you know, uh, then tortilla chips, and then I couldn't read what the next one says, but uh, then, like, bananas, instant rice, paper towels, and then it says, that ironing spray, you know what I mean, <laughs> the spray you can use. Yes, it's all written out, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's great because these mutants have, have up to this point, been... Uh, suggested that they have no real consciousness at all, except uh, maybe the remnants of what they had before. But you can send them out to do chores or whatever. It yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, and then when he and when he gets to the store, uh, eventually, they hold up the list again. On that one, it's like, I'm assuming it's some kind of like, I'm, it says, I don't know if this is like a Canadian thing, but it says Chewy Kesmo Bars? Doesn't sound I don't know. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's supposed to be some kind of like granola thing. Um, then it says oat bran flakes, and this is uh, some kind of soda. I didn't, I didn't see what it said specifically. This is Pepto Biz, uh, and then my favorite one it goes cheese doodles, and then in large letters next to it, the thin kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then it's like cookies with chocolate something, and then uh, the fingers are blocking the rest of it, and then it says tortilla chips on the bottom, really big. <laughs> uh, uh, it's at this point where. Um... And there's actually a scene of the mutant going shopping. Yes. Next. Yeah, and it's an amusing scene. Um, at this point, Velner and Aaron end up by the uh, the foundry, <laughs> and, and uh, they look through binoculars and they they see all of the different mutants outside, and they realize some shit's going down. You know, this is supposed to be, if not the future, then some sort of futuristic style environment. But nobody has cell phones. No one has a radio. They can't call for backup or anything along those lines. Yeah. They're just the two people who are going to be taking care of this. Well, you got to remember that they wouldn't have any kind of backup anyway. They're the only ones. Yes, but, you know, under the circumstances of this sort of dangerous um, – they never make anything, by the way, of the fact that you can catch this mutant disease just by getting scratched by one of them. It's not like yeah. it's not like anyone talks about it perhaps escaping and running wild over the world. It just doesn't seem that important. <laughs> uh, momentarily, um, we uh, also learn that uh, what the guns – that this organization has are, and I want to bring this up because I love looking at the guns that people come oh, the, up with. The guns are hilarious. What are the guns, Mo? What is this thing? Buck Rogers hair dryer? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the guns, the, the the bigger of the guns, is essentially an electric drill uh, with the cord removed and a piece of uh, what they call male to male piping. Uh, in the plumbing world, uh, essentially duct taped on, and there's like there's all sorts of duct tape holding the entire gun together, and you know they they make a big deal out of mentioning the fact that it's like um uh what was it? it's like patent pending <laughs> circa 1950 whatever right experimental weaponry patent pending 1953 it's held together with duct tape I'm sure it's quality duct tape <laughs> you know and then the other gun is essentially it's I I, I didn't get a I didn't get in fact, good of a look at the other gun, but it's a, it's a gun-looking device. But again, <laughs> just covered covered in 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 all sorts of duct tape. Yeah, it's it, they're most they're really held together with duct tape. It's, yeah, it's, and Bel- and Valner is fine with that because it's company duct tape. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <sighs> uh, the. the there are a lot of gunshots in the rest of the movie, but they're all of the type where as soon as someone shoots, they cut to a different angle and they just use the sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call that the Las Vegas bloodbath style of shooting. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but Las, you know, but it, but it's so effective, especially in Las Vegas bloodbath. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's the interesting thing about this movie in terms of violence. It's a violent movie. There are some scenes yeah. that are particularly violent, but there's also a lot of editing around violence. Um, yeah, yeah. In between these two scenes that we were just talking about, the uh, there's a scene where this old man is basically walking through the woods looking for garbage for some reason, uh, and he finds a <laughs> tennis ball, and he just he, 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 he says, why have these, there's so many of these around? I don't know why there'd be all these really nice, perfectly good-looking tennis balls in the middle of the woods, but uh, that scene really has no purpose for the, on the rest of the movie. It doesn't have any effect. Uh, he just gets killed immediately, and they just cut to a stream with blood running through it. I guess maybe it's just to give the idea that these mutant these mutants are dangerous, uh, as if we didn't already. Well, know I think that. I think the idea was because because he recognizes the mutant like once he once he That's finds her glasses, he recognizes the mutant as one of his old friends, mm. or at the very least, wearing the same shirt as one of his old friends. Yeah, right. It looks like what's his name's car. So it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you don't understand what I was just talking about, please watch, uh, watch, watch, the last watch listen to the previous episode. Yeah, don't watch that movie. Uh, so uh, things happen kind of fast and furious now. Uh, Vellner decides to run off and see what's going on by the factory, and he asks Aaron to cover him. Uh, and Oh, it's such a great line. <laughs> cover me. I'm going in. Right. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame that he doesn't know what it means because Bellinger gets attacked by mutants almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, and, and Aaron tries to come in and help him, but uh, Vellner does a great thing where he tries to kill himself for the company. In the name of the company, you'll never take me alive! Oh, no. <laughs> but of course, his and the gun jams. Yeah, the gun jams. Which uh, <laughs> that's the only part where I really realized that it was, it was supposed to be a gun with bullets, as opposed to some sort of futuristic <laughs> weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Doctor Gordon Tobias, they interrogate Vilner. And we get a little bit more, again, more exposition about Gore and the fact that they thought he was dead. And we all, oh, but you were you were talking about your the sound quality on on your copy yeah um t- tell me if, if if this didn't happen to you like when they got when when Vellner and Aaron got back to the foundry uh Vellner sort of gets dragged inside right you know and it gets so goddamn loud yeah i remember what you're saying it, it's there's there are sound issues throughout this even though mine were exaggerated because i had the volume up too loud like you're not like like that should be a problem with a movie uh, but but there there are sound issues anyway uh there there are certain scenes where the sound quality uh changes noticeably within the scene itself i mean i get what they were trying to do they were trying to say oh well it's much louder in here right. so if he cries for help or shoots a gun or whatever the other guy's not going to hear him but did they really have to go out of their way to make it that loud? Oh, most poor little ears got this. I my ears. <laughs> anyway, we learn more about uh, about what happened to Gore after he left the company. But what was interesting about this scene is that you find out how Tobias and Gore hooked up, so to speak, which is that mm. after Dr. Gore was injured, Dr. Tobias actually nursed him back to health. You would think after that that he would have some sort of uh, superiority in the relationship, but no, he <laughs> never really developed that. Um, Not at all. 
This is also where Gore explains the biomites and what you explained to me earlier about what their purpose was, even though obviously I didn't quite get the, the Yeah, and they talk about how they talk about how like after they nursed him back to health, they genetically engineered a body for Dr. Gore yeah. for the company to find. And it's like, so well, if they can bioengineer a body why can't they stop this mutation? I had a feeling, and uh, maybe you had the same <laughs> one, Mo, that that line was specifically put in to uh, leave open the possibility of a sequel to this movie. Well. Which what we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> later, yeah. <laughs> so uh, while all of this is going on, where Velner is being sort of interrogated, uh, Aaron is outside. He's fighting with a mutant. We get a nice bit of gore where, where Aaron uh, actually shoves his gun barrel into the creature's eye. Yeah, because the gun jams. Yeah, the gun jams. That's right. Yeah. I like how afterwards he thinks about whether he should take it, the, the gun back, but he just says, ah, I forget it. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you know. Yeah. Now, there's a really weird bit of editing coming up where uh, Dr. Gore talks about the the procedure, about the, how he developed the biomites so they can make the perfect employee. And mm-hmm. then he leaves the room and um, actually Tobias gets really upset at him and, and accuses him of being in love with Kellen, who, by the way, is still in this movie. Um, <laughs> and is still a meep meep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, One of these days, I'm gonna actually make that a lot. I'll just, I'll just, I'll put it in. You know, anytime that comes off. But Tobias, anyway. he cuts out Velner's tongue. He 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 says he's gonna do it, but it just cuts to it like really suddenly that he cuts yeah. out his tongue, and we never actually see it happening. It's a really bizarrely edited sequence because it, things are just kind of happening all over the place. I was very disappointed with that scene because I knew from that moment on I would never get to hear the sweet, sweet tones of Velner's voice. Oh, that's, that is a shame. I'm sure, we could, <laughs> I'm sure we could find him on Facebook if you really want to talk to him again. I really don't. <laughs> um, so this, this scene gets confusing for me anyway because uh, from here, Tobias has a brief encounter with a mutant. And the mutant is supposed to be Milo. Milo. But I didn't realize it was supposed to be Milo, even though he does talk. Uh, and his mouth moves. And his mouth moves in a really not convincing way. Now, now you, want to, you want to know what I noticed about this one? What? Was that his mouth moves just like Chet from Weird Science when he's turned <laughs> into a toad. I thought he got turned into a fart. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Uh... What is that? Oh, that's right. So they have this this conversation, and uh, Milo dies or appears mm-hmm. to die on the uh, on the ground. And while this is happening, Velner, without his tongue, uh, stab- oh, comes in and tries to attack him with a scalpel. Tries to attack Tobias. Yeah, and they have a little fight. Well, I think I think um, I think it's Gore tells. Tobias to let Velner go. Right. And and Tobias says to him something like, you've gone as soft as scrambled eggs. Yes, that's right. But, <laughs> but it's weird because I didn't really understand how Velner uh, escaped his um, They restraints. left him with a scalpel. Yeah, so he cut himself free. Is that what we're supposed to He cut to himself say? free. Because yeah. when, when, when um, 
when Tobias comes into the room, he sees the scalpel at first, and then throughout the scene, Villainer picks it up and they, he attacks him. And anyway, by attacking him, he also passes along this mutant gene to Tobias. Yeah, and uh, and in the process of attacking him, we are privy to another shopping list that says tortilla chips on it as well <laughs> as fiddle faddle. You know, I thought that that fiddle faddle written on that list was a reference to Alex Winter's film Freaked because there's a scene um, there's a scene where uh, Randy Quaid's character and that offers fiddle faddle to them, and it has sort oh. of the same kind of uh, mutant. Maybe it wasn't a reference, but when I see Fiddle Faddle, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Hey. Hey. When I see Fiddle, when I see fiddle Faddle, all I think about is the Fiddle Faddle commercials from the 70s because I've been watching classic TV commercials way too much lately. <laughs> well, this would, I, this would be a great opportunity for you to edit in some of the audio from one of those commercials. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> so, uh, fuckhead, Greg Tobias Jr., the doctor, he is now turning into a mutant. And for some reason, he turns into a mutant really fast. Well, that's because Velner injects him with that syringe. That's right. There's a syringe of yeah. the mutant shit, and he turns into a mutant. Uh, but there's a really great animated scene of Tobias being mutated. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a pretty neat scene, and they use some of their animation. Um, it's, you know, it's it's one of the better... Things like that in the movie. Yeah, but I have to say that mutant Tobias has the worst mask. He really does, and it's weird because he gets so much face time for the rest of this movie, too. Well, it's because he has the best teeth. Right. But but he's blue for some fucking reason, and the rest of his mask is awful. Yeah, it's really bad. And, of course, like you mentioned at the beginning, they ADR a lot of dialogue on top of it, but most of it is like, where's the vial? I want the vial. Show me where the vial is. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there's a real – yeah, it's like – so so he attacks Velner, you know, and Velner kind of like starts to whimper. Yeah. You know, and he goes, he goes, would it kill you to die with a little dignity? (laughs) And uh, he kills uh, uh, Velner by – basically stabbing him right through the stomach and right out his back and pulling his, his hand back out. And he goes, uh, nuts. I left my watch in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are kind of silly gags, but it's a tough time in the movie to be making that sort of silly gag. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen Dracula, the dirty old man? I have not, but I know. Of well, it. well, basically the entire movie consists of really shitty ADR dialogue like this. You know, so so imagine like this kind of like really shitty ADR dialogue without anything else happening for like seventy five minutes. I think part of the reason that this doesn't work very well in this scene is that his voice is not only so typically Canadian and being sort of whiny, but they don't do anything to it. So it's just his voice over this monster's face. And it's not terrifying in the least. And maybe they don't like, mean for it to be necessarily terrifying, but it's also not intimidating at all. No, not at all. It, not at all. It's the opposite of that, in fact. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, like. I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but it's like if you were to attack somebody, your pain you know, will equal my pleasure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just really, really ridiculous. Ah, uh, anyway, we're uh, we're gearing up for the end of the movie here, so let's run to the finish. Yeah, so we find out Milo's still alive, and he attacks um, 
Tobias, who for some reason I have now started writing in my notes as Greg. <laughs> I guess that's it is his first, first name. Yeah. You know, and he and uh, and he has the line, well, you know, me and you, mono a guano, which is uh, stupid. That, that's 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 uh, your that's your typical Todd Sheets line. Uh, yeah, my can come quat. You piece of dookie. <laughs> um, well, that's what. Hey, that makes sense, actually. I mean, it's uh, funny it's that like, I bring up Todd Sheets because the the remainder of this movie, when they go outside, and that's what happens, by the way. Uh, the, Tobias ends up attacking Doctor Gore, and they basically all fight outside, uh, where they're, uh, yeah. the mutants that are currently outside uh, end up getting killed. But it pours outside, and all of these kind of weird uh, monster masks that are out there, it reminded me of the end section of uh, Prehistoric Bimbos in Armageddon City, the Tachis yeah. movie. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's suddenly – like the movie is obviously made on a low budget, this movie. Uh, but it, it doesn't always look super cheap. It just looks like a low budget movie. But this, this mm. part at the end, it starts really kind of feeling cheap because they're trying for a big finish – but they just don't have the the resources to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm glad that you agree with me. I oh. do 100. percent It's it's takes a really really drastic turn for the worse. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of this movie is not good. Uh, Doctor no. Gore, as you might imagine, uh, gets mutated, uh, and we discover now this is funny as well because they're outside and this actor who plays Doctor Gore, he. I don't think that he was necessarily available for these outdoor scenes because whenever they cut to him, they just cut to a really tight close-up of his face, and, and then they show, like, the bottom half of this guy's body. Uh, yeah. So I uh, – oh, are you losing interest in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that, was that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting to the end now. <laughs> So we get a mutant fight. Obviously, Doctor Gore turns into a mutant, though it's not no longer the same actor. It's just some dude in a mask. Uh, yeah, and, the, and we and we find out we find out that the vial the entire time was sewn into his own body. Yeah, it was into his own stomach is where the vial was, which is a pretty great hiding spot. You sewed it inside your own stomach. <laughs> If he was using it regularly, does that mean he was cutting it out of himself every time he wanted to use it? Shut up, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this fight between these two mutants is really shitty, by the way. It's just them grabbing yeah. each other and wa- kind of like leaning back and forth. And there's, not, like, there's no choreography or anything like that. And it goes on way too long. Well, and you also have to remember that the hands don't exactly have any kind of real, like, articulation to them. Uh, or for that matter, fingers. I mean, there's, like, there's like three claws. And, they got uh, sneakers on. They can kick each other. <laughs> <laughs> they do They do have sneakers on. Right? That's funny. Um, but, I mean, but, like, so there's no real way to make a fist or there's no real way to, I mean, to really do anything that looks like you're actually fighting. It's it's kind of, it kind of suffers from like you know like Godzilla syndrome, but at least Godzilla had you know wires to play around with. Oh, by the way, before they all uh, ended up outside, Doctor Gore let Kellen go because he may or may not be uh, in love with her or something. Uh, sure. So she does play a major role at the end of the movie, despite not doing anything for the entire section from like ten minutes in to now, uh, and it's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as Tobias is wont to do, he uh, attacks Dr. Gore and then runs off with the vial. 
Yes. <laughs> and he runs off to the electrical tower that we saw at the very beginning of the movie or nearby to it. Which leads to the stupidest thing I've ever seen ever. Wow. That is saying quite a bit considering this the kind of movie we watch. So, so at this point now we, we find out that Kellen is in fact a mutant. Mm-hmm. And she gets the gun, you know, and uh, and I'm trying to think of what's um, like. And Tobias says something really great to her. He's like, "Oh, you look you look better. Do you lose?" Blade? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, um, you street trash. You look different somehow. Better. Did you lose weight? And uh, and then Tobias yells to the you know yells to the other mutants. He, and, and, which of course is the the title of the film. He goes, "Kill them and eat them." Yeah, it's just that with Tobias's voice, there's it's that could be you know, I, I, it's so non-threatening. It's so non-threatening. Yeah, the way the way I just said it was a million times better than than. Why don't you say it again, Mo? <laughs> Kill them and eat them. Oh yeah, let's watch that movie with Mo. <laughs> it's, right? Yeah. I would do it. So they're fighting next to this electrical t- towers. This is what you also we should mention. I apologize for cutting you off there. Huh? Also, we should mention that at this point now, Kellen no longer appears to be a woman. No, no, no longer a woman. She probably <laughs> wasn't available. Probably didn't want to get made up with all this fake blood and uh, yeah. and, and weird masks on her face. Yeah. So and so the, so the lack of breasts and the broad shoulders kind of give it away. But Auga? Um, what Auga? <laughs> well, I mean, with that mask on, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so, so she's got the gun, and and uh, and the, and and Gore and Greg are fighting, and and they're like, shoot him, you know, shoot him. And, and she's like, no, no, I don't want to. It's it's you know, it's too close. So what does she do? She shoots a fucking electrical wire down. Yep. So so hold on. So she's she's a good enough shot. To shoot a tiny little electrical wire, <laughs> but not a good enough shot to shoot one of the two human-sized monsters in front of her. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know what to tell you, Mo. Uh, she shot the wire, and it snapped, and it fell down, and it hit the electrical tower that they were fighting next to, and it uh, electrocuted Tobias. Yeah. Yeah, so Gore electrocutes Tobias and and with a witty comment says partnership dissolved. Yeah, because he starts to melt a bit after he gets electrocuted. Yeah, yeah. Though there's no like I was expecting like kind of all those weird electrical effects and stuff like that, but they don't. Something. Nothing. No, he just goes ah. And when I they what I just they did then was shake. Animated some on there. They they didn't even do that. No, it's it is a underwhelming uh, ending to say the very it's an, least. It's it's very anticlimactic. Yeah, this movie needed a good hard climax. Yeah, this movie, I agree. This movie and me and you. This movie, this movie had no money shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, the movie ends with her giving Gore back the vial, and then we get the credit. It, it ends really suddenly too. It's just like it, here's the just, vial, yeah. and now the movie's over. Yeah, and there's, I mean, and this, and the sad thing is, there's nothing really all that particularly interesting in the credits themselves. Although a couple of the names of the actors I really loved. Um, I don't know who they played, but there was somebody named uh, Rasul Samji <laughs> in the film, and I thought that was the greatest fucking name ever. And uh, and Vellner has a really great name too. His name's Will Vanderzil, yeah, which is great. It's a great name. I mean, and we find out the entire thing was shot on location in Toronto, and then we have the big reveal that Doctor Gore will return 
in the return of Dr. Gore. Now, it uh, should be noted at this point. That's uh, almost it, a palindrome. It, it is, uh, except it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, sh- it should be mentioned that while the uh, director of this film has made several other films, I think most of them are short films. Uh, he has not made the return. He has, of he has at this point, this movie coming out in 2003 and it now being 2012, has not yeah. managed to make the sequel to that. So everyone be looking out for that because it was promised at the end of the movie. So it I, has I to happen. Disappo- I, I was disappointed because because I signed right on to IMDb after this movie was done. And I'm like, because I actually kind of thought to myself, I might be willing to watch that, you know? Like, maybe, like, he learned from this from this film and, like, you know, and, and could make the next one a little bit better. The thing is, I can say, by the way, that, that from this movie, uh, I, just like yourself, I could see the potential in him as a director and a writer sure. in particular, that sure, sure. maybe with a little bit more money, maybe with a little bit more maturity, that he could make something that was... And I think the fact that he decided to go from this to doing a number of shorts is a really good thing. Because then Absolutely. you know, perfect your craft. You know, uh, that's how you do it. That's how you do he it. Sh- he should have been doing shorts from the get-go. That said, I also can't knock him for wanting to try to do a feature because... Of course. Because you get out of, like, I don't know university or maybe even film school or something like that and you just want to go out there and make something and maybe it'll turn out to be something really great and maybe it'll turn out to be kill them and eat them <laughs> or maybe if you're really unlucky it'll turn out to be barely legal lesbian vampires. <laughs> or rock paper scissors <laughs> or, or hip-hop locals <laughs> I, I, I'm being somewhat facetious. This movie isn't good. Yeah. It really isn't, but it's not shit, right? It's not total. No, no, not at all. I mean, I, w- I would give this, if I had to give this like a star rating, I'd probably give it a three. Uh, yeah, out of what? Ten? Three out of ten? I don't, that's not, that's, <laughs> if we were going out of ten, I might bump that up to a four. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, no, I, 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 two and a half out of five. Two and a half out of five, that's. That puts you right in the laser blast territory. That's that's like that's really See? Um, that's middle of the road. Most Hollywood movies, two and a half stars. I probably right. would go to two. Right, so two. Yeah, two. Then. Yeah, I, I I hear you. Two. It's it's two out of for five. a low budget, no budget movie. It's better than average. Uh, True. But for a movie, it's not <laughs> average. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, we say this every once in a while. Our, our minds and our opinions have been somewhat warped by watching a lot of these movies. Sure, Cause, absolutely. Because if you came, in this, came into this fresh, and if you go onto the IMDb page and see one of the reviews on it, uh, not one of the ones that it links to, but the ones that are actually on the page where it's a user <laughs> review, uh, people are, you know, the first thing they always mention is like, it looks like it was shot on a handy cam, and it's like, for, for us, it's like, yeah, they're all like that. <laughs> they yeah, all look yeah, like they that. all look, I mean, like, you you get past that at some point, where you just like, oh yeah, they all they all look like they're shot on a handy cam, yeah. I mean, what, what do you expect? Yeah, this one's probably shot on DB, and uh, I mean, hell, I'm, hell, I'm gonna shoot a movie, and I'm gonna shoot it on fucking handy that's cam. That's how you I do mean, it. You know? That, that, that's the great age that we live in. Um, yeah. Uh, now, you can do things to make these movies look more mm-hmm. like uh, what someone would consider uh, uh, a, a in their brains what a cinematic experience would look like. But uh, these movies are almost never like that. You can recognize they look fine. They, they ha- it has a level of detail that you would want out of the image, mm-hmm. but it just because of of the frame rate and because of the lighting, especially, uh, they never really look like movies. Yeah, uh, and certainly the fact that the sound in this movie is pretty bad, and I know that you didn't have the same problems as I did, but I still think that um, 
much. There were still there were still sound issues. It's just I didn't. I think your problem was disc related. I don't think it was. I don't think it was this movie related. But at the same time, I I, I mean, like it still has. I mean, like like that like that scene I was talking about specifically where they where they drag him into uh, into the building and it just gets ridiculously loud. It also has a lot, a few of those scenes, and you see this, this is a lot in low-budget movies as well, where there's kind of an audible humming constantly going on in the background. It's the kind of thing that if you had a closed set, you never would get, but because you're you're filming in all these different locations, and you might have like yeah. halogen lights and stuff in the background, which are making noises, they, you know, you just end up with a lot of this kind of weird background material that, that, mm-hmm. that it... it for us, it doesn't take us out of it because we're used to it. But if you were coming into this again fresh, you'd probably be like, "What the fuck is up with this movie?" <laughs> I feel I feel really kind of like bad for anybody who like is is sort of like addicted to Hollywood films and decides to take a chance on one of our movies. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I make a disclaimer every single time we do one of these is that you shouldn't watch. Uh, I mean, after you listen to us talking talk about them you can make your decision from that but we're very honest about the qualities and the sure. limitations in regards to these movies i mean yeah. you know there are people who come to me and ask where you can find copies of redneck county fever uh and and yeah the bloody nightmares box set and that seems to be it <laughs> multiple people have come up and, and said you know where can i find a copy of like barely legal lesbian vampires or uh, even from like even going back a little bit uh, I can't believe anybody would want to watch Barely Legal Lesbian Vampires. Well, thankfully, they can see that for free because that's actually available on, on YouTube in full yeah. legally. Um, well, I mean, and I, cause I, yeah, because I saw you put that up on our Facebook page, and so I had to counter that by, by letting people know, you know, you, you could watch that shitty movie that Doug's putting up here, or if you have Netflix, you can watch this good movie. Yeah. And I put and I put up the links saying that, oh, well, you know, Duck is now on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh uh, duck the Carbine it's on Massacre. disc, you know. It's it's on disc, unfortunately, but you know, but at least it's it's available to the masses. Right. By the way, you mentioned our our uh, Facebook page just then, Mo. So let's uh, tell people that if they look up No Budget Nightmares on Facebook, they can get the inside scoop on the podcast and what we're working on next, as well as links to uh, the the articles and the uh, podcast as they come out. Or more accurately, just me and you. Uh, uh, kibitzing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're throwing shit at each other, but you know we're generally good natured about it. Yeah. Um, so, getting back to the movie that we just watched, no matter how painful that is, uh, what are your final thoughts on Kill Them and Eat Them as a cinematic experience that you had? It's, I, I mean, basically, it's. I don't know if there's that much more I can even say about it. I mean, it started off. It started off not not so bad. It looked like it could have been uh, an interesting horror comedy, and ultimately ended a bit disappointing. Um, although, kind of looking forward to the sequel. Yeah, the the sequel is never going to happen, folks. <laughs> I want the sequel to happen. I'm gonna. I, do you have access to this guy? I know you have access to all these directors. I, I, oh yeah, because I'm such an I'm in. I'm in with the business. Uh, I do sort of have access to this guy. Uh, if we ever wanted to have a little conversation with him or something, I'm sure we could work I just out. want to talk to him about the possibility of the return of Dr. Gore. Well, maybe we could find something out about that. I don't know. I mean, th- there is a possibility. It's, ne- it's never going to happen. But, I mean, I-, I-, I hope that one day. One day. You know. 
one day out there we might see the return if that actor is even still alive. I mean, I don't know, right? I don't care. I don't need. I don't need this. I don't need the same actor. Have a have a guy in that stupid costume the, the, for the whole movie. Whatever. Uh, my final thoughts on the movie involve the fact that it was obviously something that uh, that the director really had a concept for. In fact, mm. he had a lot of ideas that he tried to throw into it. You know, the the. the the problem with it is that these none of these ideas get developed to the point that you would ever be invested in them. True. The the company as a concept is really good, but we don't learn anything about it outside of these two characters which are connected. Uh, yeah. and, and it's funny because we get lots and lots of exposition, but we never really get enough detail that it's anything that we can kind of sink our teeth into. No- well, yeah, we're never we're never given a reason why we should love or hate it. Yeah, and there's like a lot of world building that's being attempted, but it doesn't. It never feels three dimensional because all I was left with was questions in regards to like what is going on in the world that this takes place in. I mean, as a worldwide thing uh and, yeah. and, like does the company exist outside of canada are they supposed to be in canada uh and and what where are all the people we see cars going in the background but where is everybody <laughs> mm. um and it's it's so it, it made it a very frustrating experience especially because there was just so much overpowering dialogue that uh that it felt like I was supposed to get more out of it than I actually did. Uh, I just didn't feel like there was any substance to it. Well, they could have extended the movie out another, you know, 30 or 40 minutes and explained all that. I would have jammed a pencil in my dick (laughs) until it bled so much. Uh, But, (laughs) no, you know, this movie is as long as it needs to be, and it's much longer, actually. It's 20 minutes too long. Yeah, it's about 20 minutes too long. But this is not a comment on the director. Uh, I'm sure that he could do better work than this. This isn't a comment on um, the... The actors, either, which are generally of a higher quality than we normally get in movies like Yeah, that. without a doubt. It's just that the resources the resources that they had were limited. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that this movie could have benefited from uh, maybe a couple more rewrites yeah, on the script. Yeah, I think so, too. A, a lot of yeah. tightening. Tightening in general, I think, would have helped out. Then again, it's not like we don't have the same problem with our podcast sometimes. I, I know you do though. Not me. Man, I, I'm tight. Look, 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 look. I keep it nice and tight. <laughs> I I edit it down so that we sound intelligent. Huh? <laughs> See, that was where the laugh was. That's the laugh track is yeah. supposed to go. Ha 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 Yeah. So that's it. That's the final word on uh, "Kill Them and Eat Them," which does have a very good title, despite the fact that the movie itself uh, doesn't quite live up to it. Agreed. So, uh, you know, Connell, Connell Pendergast's other films include the titles Guts of the Gods and Legend of the Seven Bloody Torturers, which are – those are great titles too. So uh, you, you got to give him that. <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's the first one he did? That one had a great name too. It was like Flesh something. Flesh Freaks. Flesh Freaks. Also Satan Psycho Ghoul. Yeah. But these are the kind of things which suggest that he probably is a real genre film fan and wanted to make something that would appeal to that sort of audience. And you can kind of Mm. feel that in the movie just because there is a level of detail that you don't normally see. There's an attempt to make the surroundings look interesting. There was actually a couple of really nice shots in the movie, too, especially near the beginning of the movie. Um, Hey, is is this movie available on Chemical Burn? I don't know if it is or not. That's a really good question. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, I, I, well, the only reason why I question is because if it is available on quest, uh, on Chemical Burn, then we know it's a bad movie. <laughs> That's unfair. Remember, remember when we first brought them up on this podcast? We were talking about how much good stuff that they uh, that they have. I, no, when I first brought them up, I was talking about how much potential. They had. <laughs> hey, no, I've seen a few really good Chemical Burn movies. I, I yeah, mentioned. no, I have too. I mean, like obviously, you know, Order of One, I I completely fell in love with, but I don't remember anything else off the top of my head that I particularly cared about. Well, I believe that Brain Damage Films currently uh, has released this on DVD in the U.S. Um, oh. I know Brain Damage, uh, distributors of Jesus Christ serial rapists. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Covered in the future, perhaps, on uh, No Budget Nightmares? Oh, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get around to it eventually. We we have, yeah, I mean, maybe episode 20. We'll we'll have to, you know, we'll make it a special one because we can't just, we can't just burst our Billsy Bub uh, cherry, you know, on any old episode. Well, I mean, we then have to move on to Ant Farm Dickhole, which is the latest film. Jesus Christ. I squirm every time (laughs) I hear the title of that. I'll give him credit. That is a very original (laughs) title and concept. People have been telling me to watch Ant Farm Dickhole or whatever the hell yeah, it's called for, right. for, I mean, for a while now, for like months, you know, They're like, oh, have you seen Ant Farm Dickhole? Like, that seems like a movie you'd love. They always say that to me, too. They're like, oh, that seems like a movie you'd, uh, really? Like, it's, I mean, am, is my taste in film that bad that, uh, that, that, People hear that title and just immediately assume I would love it. I saw the trailer. It seemed like something that I. I might saw the enjoy. trailer too. I, I I think I'd absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they have us pegged. So oh, to speak. they have. Yeah, they. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're pathetic. <laughs> so what are we going to watch next? It's oh your shit! Pick. I have the two materials box set right here. Let's take a look. Thank goodness. Do, 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 I picked do, do, the last two and. You know, although I kind of redeemed myself with this one a little bit, you know, I still feel guilty about uh, Redneck County Fever. Well, Mo, ha- <laughs> have you ever been close to a human and human behavior? <laughs> because I think our next film should be human behavior. All right. I don't know anything about it. When's it from? It's uh, it, I don't know that either. Let's see if I can uh, pull this up while we're talking here. I'll just uh, I'll improvise some stuff that people will find really interesting. Blah 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 blah. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> we are recording now, honey. Jill has uh, drawn a picture on some loose leaf paper of Mo with his dick. She drew a picture of me. She has oh, a picture of you with your dick should, with your dick out. Me Oh, we should scan that and put it up on our on our Facebook page. Maybe. Uh with me laying on the ground with my lips oh. puckered. Uh Of course. Inches. <laughs> well, okay, sorry, that is my uh your dick is about to go into my mouth. Uh, oh, and you have, have a very face. stern expression. Uh I'm very surprised. <laughs> uh my wife is an artist. Uh, the film Human Behavior, starring Paul uh, Ananos, Stephen Schwarkdokas, sure. and Kevin okay. O'Connor, is from 2005, 72 minutes, and black and white. Ooh. Mm, art piece. It might, it might be classy. It, it, I guarantee you it'll be classy. Either that or they fucked up the color when they were making it and just, <laughs> just put everything in black and white. Oh, my God. I've done that. <laughs> so for anybody who knows that movie, which is nobody, uh, join us next time on No Budget Nightmares for human behavior. Mo, if people wanted to find us or follow us or track us or stalk us, what would be the best way for them to do so? 
Well, thankfully, thanks to that, thanks to that good old series of tubes called the internet. Remember, it's not a truck. Um, that would be. Uh, you could find us on Facebook. Just search No Budget Nightmares. Uh-huh. Uh, leave, leave a comment on there. We may or may not read it out on uh, on the air. Um, you could email us at nobudgetnightmaresdg at gmail.com. Fucking awful email address. I know. It's really awful. I feel so like such a it's shithead. It's nobudgetnightmaresdg uh, as in Daily Grindhouse. As in Daily Grindhouse because I'm a schmuck yeah. um, at gmail.com. Uh, you could contact either one of us on Twitter. I am at drunk on VHS and you are at a Doug underscore Tilly. Very, very popular. This Doug Tilly on the uh, Twitter. <laughs> you disagree? <laughs> I'm going to be, well, I mean, I don't know, man. You, you, you know, you're, you're winning awards and you know, Look, the fact is people love Doug Tilly. They want to spread around Doug Tilly. They want to hear more from Doug Tilly. Uh, and, uh, that when is when is your you just recorded with another oh, show? Oh, that's a, recently, that's a, right? a good uh, a good thank you, Mo. Very good transition. I recorded recently with the Evil Episodes podcast. Uh, Mike Merriman on that uh, was good enough to have me on and talk about both The Fly from 1958 and 1986's The Fly remake by David Cronenberg. Uh, and if you want to check that out, I believe you can still get it at EvilEpisodes.com. Uh, and they also have recently moved uh, over to. La, 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 la. Edit, 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 edit. Just one second. I'm not editing. editing <laughs> oh, Jesus. What the fuck is it? Sorry. Well, while you're looking for that, I will mention that I, too, have recently been on on a different show. Uh, I was briefly featured on the – well, it's the most recent right now, but it'll be a week old by the time this goes up – of um, – it's the alternative Oscars episode of After oh, right, Diner. Of yeah, and uh, I have a nice little 15-minute uh, bit in there um, where we, because I don't watch new movies ever, we talk about the best, the worst, and craziest uh, films I have seen in 2011, and I do mention several of the movies that we've watched. Oh, now I want to listen to it, Mo. Well, it's available right, right now. now I want, I'm gonna after this episode is over, I'm gonna go and listen to it. Uh, by the way, Evil Episodes, uh, Mike Merriman's, Merriman's podcast. That's part of the uh, Groove Podcast, available over at HorrorPalace.com. Uh, and my episode will be dropping in probably about two weeks after this episode drops. So keep your mm. eyes, ears, and genitals out for that. Um, and after, uh, I was saying, after Movie Diner is. My episode is currently available. Uh, like I said, it's the alternative Oscar episode. I guess maybe my invitation got lost in the mail. Nah. What did you think? I guess you know we should have our, our regular little chat before we clue things up. Uh, you mentioned that you don't watch a lot of new movies. Did you have any opinions on the Oscars at all, Mo? Nope. No opinion at all. None whatsoever. I could not give a flying fuck about any of the movies in the Oscars this year. I saw War Horse. Yeah? Was it a piece of shit? Uh, it was. How much do you like horses, Mo? Because the trailer makes it look like a piece of shit. I don't give a shit about horses You don't give a shit about horses. Well, I'll tell you, if instead of not giving a shit about horses, that you love them, like you fucking love them, like mm-hmm. uh, my wife just yelled out in the background, so much so that you wanted to fuck a horse, 
Well, I do want to fuck a horse, but I don't really care about well, them as, as people. They're not people. They're horses, Mo. And uh, <laughs> if you want to fuck a horse, then watch War Horse because it's full of people who are in love with horses. And they look Great. at horses like they're like king shit of fuck mountain. I mean, they're like super – like their eyes are lingering over them and they're biting their lips. Please. And they're like, oh, if I could get me a piece of that – and then the movie turns into a war movie in the second half, like a World War One movie, and people are getting, like, their lungs melted by mustard gas, and then they're okay. And then there's this horse that people – now this whole different group of people, some French people, they want to fuck the horse too. And then later on, all these soldiers want to fuck the horse. And and the, the I don't want to give anything away, but none of them get to fuck the horse, and it's a real tragedy. I was trying. To, I was trying to make sure that uh, trying to see if the movie ended like Zoo or not. All right. You know? No. Uh, <laughs> though, if you watch those two together, I actually think that there's more zoophilia elements in Warhorse than there is in that documentary. Uh, wow. It, because that dude died from a perforated yeah, colon. I know. Everyone wanted to fuck he, this horse because he got fucked by a horse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I did see most of the films that were nominated for uh, Best Picture, and uh, every movie that I really loved last year, movies like uh, like Drive or Attack the Block, uh, none of them got nominated. So it was really hard to get excited when everything that people expected to win won. Uh, really? Attack the Block wasn't nominated for foreign language film? <laughs> Had some trouble with that. I watched it with subtitles there, Mo. I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I. But I have heard a lot of people saying that they didn't understand a goddamn thing any of those kids were saying. Hey, bro. Anyway, you you should see Attack the Black. It's a great movie, and whether you can understand it or not, stop being such a wussy. What's What's another bad word that you could say for pe- people who who have no culture like you and I? Low, low brow. <laughs> stop being so uh, low brow, uh, people. Scoundrels. Scoundrels. Southern American. Whatever. <laughs> Southern American. <laughs> Yeah, we are a couple of redneck hillbillies. Well, I have a redneck county fever, and that fever tells me that we should end the podcast right now. Uh, let's let's end. All this. right. Good night, everybody. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good night, folks. We won't let this happen again. Just kidding. <laughs>